Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Maximilian DeMello, who's one of the owners and managing partners of America One Luxury Real Estate. Max is a real estate entrepreneur and, along with his business partner and friend Patrick, started from very humble beginnings in the real estate industry with their first home they flipped and made a success off of, and from there have grown this empire of real estate. One, they are owning and managing partners of of this brokerage, but also doing remodels and rebuilds of multi-million dollar homes, focusing on the Scottsdale, Arizona area. And in this episode, Max not only tells his story of coming to the United States from Germany and really knowing nothing about real estate and getting involved in real estate to them building this empire and what it really takes to flip a home or the process that goes into that, hiring contractors, what things add value to homes, all the different details around real estate. And I found it absolutely fascinating, a great entrepreneurial story, and I cannot wait for you to listen. As always, the show notes are at justgrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. And finally, the weekly grind, weekly newsletter comes out every Friday with different companies to look for and cool side hustle ideas and strategies and tactics for building businesses can be found at justgrind.com slash newsletter. Without further ado, here is Maximilian DeMello, the owner and managing partner of America One Luxury Real Estate. Max, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. Yes, so great to have you on and obviously discuss the, the real estate empire you're building. Uh, I think what would be helpful for people is to understand like what exactly this all is because there's American One Real Estate, but there's also more, more beyond that. Like, What is kind of the current uh, business venture? Yeah, so the current uh, business venture is um, our brokerage that we, uh, that we co-own with uh, two American partners. Uh, when I say we, I mean my business partner, Patrick, and myself, um, both from Germany, as you know. Um, so we have <laughs> yep. a brokerage. Um, we have currently 12 agents within that brokerage um, that does was a tip, what a typical residential brokerage um, does, um, representing buyers uh, and sellers. We have 60 single family homes under uh, management. So for um, properties that we own ourselves, as well as for clients, from uh, yeah, pretty much all over the world, we manage single-family homes here in Arizona that are rented out on a long-term basis. Um, that's one of the parts that we have uh, embedded in the brokerage outside of the transactional component. Awesome. And there's also the like, development side. Can you like, talk a little bit about that side as well? Yes. So we have um, currently eight projects going on in, in Paradise Valley. And you know, for those who are listening in, uh, that don't know Arizona, don't know Paradise Valley. <laughs> I think the easiest way to describe it's kind of the the Hollywood or the uh, the the can for the <laughs> Europeans uh, in in Arizona, um, and it's it's the most prestigious real estate um, is located in that zip code, which is eight five two five three. And with that, and the reason why, obviously, to have you on to talk about the kind of the entrepreneurial side of real estate, which is what I'm so excited about because I haven't really uh, had this discussion with anyone yet. You said you have eight projects going on right now. Like, what does that kind of uh, consist of in terms of what you're doing with those projects currently? Okay, so what we do is we do the fix and flips. Not quite what you uh, or what a lot of people know from HGTV, your your <laughs> uh, your carpet paint and so called lipstick on a pig remodel. Um, we do major rehabs. Um, 
when I say major rehabs, I talk about value adds and, and value adds are pretty much we add a significant amount of square footage to the existing footprint and or uh, tear down an existing structure and rebuild, rebuild completely from scratch. Our homes are anywhere between four to 10,000 square feet um, when we're all said and done. Um, we are in charge of acquiring those opportunities, sourcing those deals, uh, which we do through through various channels. Uh, and then we um, we do come up with the funds. So we have investors from Europe as well as from the U.S. that um, that do the equity component of the funding. Uh, we take care of construction financing through various uh, resources and relationships through banks and mortgage companies that we have here. Um, the design is in-house. We have uh, we work with uh, architects, um, and we pretty much do everything start to finish. I guess it's it's kind of a one-stop shop when it comes to residential real estate. You know, we're starting from property management, from sourcing residential uh, properties, projects up until selling. Everything comes comes out of one hand, so to say. Even though there there's different entities involved, as you already indicated. Right. So people may see the America one like luxury real estate, but they have no idea like what's really behind that in terms of all the different like pieces. Yes. Which always acts as the representing entity party for ourselves and our investors on the purchase as well as on the resale. And and just like you said, that's what everybody sees. It's, you know, we have a coming soon project or we just sold something. <laughs> that's where you're going to see America one. You're not going to see the investors involved or, or any kind of behind the scenes, which, um, there is uh, there is a lot, especially in that price range where we're talking equity requirement of I would say around one and a half million per deal. Um, this this is definitely more than just you know doing a quick little flip of a townhome, which is you know like I told you last time that's where we started. You know we bought it for ninety thousand, put in fifteen thousand, sold it for one forty one. That's a whole different animal. <laughs> the project that we have going on right. Now. Yeah, and I want to go back to that beginning point as well for people who don't know, like how did this exactly get started? Like, I'm I'm really curious as to that. I know we we talked a little bit about it, but for people who don't have context, how did this whole thing get started? Yeah, so unfortunately, my business partner can't be with us today because uh, he's uh, taking care of two uh, two of our projects at the moment in the morning, so he's excusing himself. But he was kind of uh, the the first starting point. I mean, Patrick and Patrick's my friendship goes back 15 years from from back home. We know each other from golf. He's a former golf professional and, and through mutual friends and yeah and and sport we uh, we got connected uh, way back um we've been working together for 10 years and, and came out here the first time in 2011 for vacation play a little bit of golf we went to la we looked at a couple of different things and um just fell in love with with scottsdale arizona i don't know have you ever been here i have been yep yeah so um and, and for those who have not been here it's really a very, very well protected, very private little spot that at the same time has all the tranquility, security, great climate, obviously. Um, well, in the summer, it's, it gets pretty toasty here, but we <laughs> talk about dry heat. Um, but at the same time where you have all these factors and many more that I just mentioned, you know, recreational activities, one of the best. Uh, and biggest uh, universities, ASU. We have a bunch of tech companies here. There's car auctions, Arabian Horse Show, PGA Tour events. I mean, there's so much happening here. Um, and at the same time, it, it offers so many opportunities. I mean, in the real estate world, this is this is the fastest growing county 
in the United States called Maricopa County. And about 200 people per day um, have been moving here. And the, the growth and the desirability of this destination, whether it's for recreational activities or for establishing your life here, working at one of the renowned hospitals or um, going to college or, or any of that is just amazing. So the, the combination of all of that, and uh, certainly there's over 250 golf courses here, no, so not the worst, <laughs> worst spot to play oh, yeah. on the golf. Um, that's just made us fall in love with, um, with, with this little spot. And we always wanted to do uh, some real estate investing together, um, Patrick's parents as well as my parents, and, and as well as many, especially in America, American families, they own real estate. But we wanted to do something for ourselves. We wanted to take our money, and at the time, you know, we had 50000 each. That was all we had. And uh, we took us many, many hours of due diligence. We looked at 150 properties over six months until we pulled it. Because we knew if we screw that one up, we're done. <laughs> That's game over. game over before the game actually starts. <laughs> right, right, and that that process too, like that. That's gotta be a lot. What are some of the things that people should even think about in that process of maybe find that first property? Because obviously, you guys wanted to invest your money to flip one of these. What were some of the things that people should think about in that in that process? Yeah, that's a tough question. I guess the best way to describe it, and and that has always been the proven model for any kind of business venture that Patrick and I have um, have tackled is it's and it's a very German thing I do have to say that <laughs> we are very diligent in our due diligence right so we <laughs> took a lot of time looking into the market quite frankly we came out here we didn't know anyone we had no clue about real estate and prices but you know in today's world with access to technology and many many different platforms you're able to educate yourself and that's what we did and what we still have been doing up until today. Many of the things that we are doing and that we are successfully doing, people think we went for college or we did some kind of, you know, we did it. It's just, you know, when you when you fall in love with something, when you're passionate about something, you, you find a way to figure it out. And I guess to answer your question is take the necessary time to do your due diligence, starting from, okay, what, am, what, what do I even get involved in here? If I want to do a flip, um, what is my goal? Do I have like a target um, timeline, target exit? What if I can't sell it? What is my contingency plan? How am I going to finance it? Where am I buying? Who are the contractors? I mean, this is such a, I think it is something that is vastly underestimated. If you want to do it right and be successful, and, and in Arizona, I can tell you the price points, anything under, I would say 500,000, the competition is insane. We have <laughs> big eye buyers. I mean, right now they slowed down their activity due to um, the COVID situation. But there's so many people that think they can just flip a house and they can just buy it for 100, put in 50 and sell it for 250. Well, that's not really how it works, you know. Like, <laughs> there's, there's, there's many things that go with that. So the best advice that I can give is just do your due diligence be aware of all the moving pieces, starting from the location, right? Which is the most important thing. Which location am I looking at? What are the price points? Walk from some houses, talk to some agents, you know, kind of look for the experts in that field and in that area that can give you valuable information and potentially work with you, whether it's an agent, a general contractor, an architect, a designer, and we started with cosmetic flips, you know, those are the ones where you don't have any kind of structural component to it, where you add square footage, you 
um, do some reconfiguration where you need structural engineer, you need to add beams and all of that stuff. That's where it gets complex, but that's obviously yeah. when you have that part figured out, which is where we are right now, that's where you can generate uh, significant profits. Though. So I would, I would recommend starting with something small and it's kind of this kind of a, that's what everybody says, but <laughs> that's what we did. Not necessarily because yeah. we wanted to, but that was our financial situation. I mean, I'm, I'm 32 now, Patrick's 37. So our first flip, we bought it in March 2015. So that was five years ago. And I, I mean, that's that's all the money we had. So you've got to be willing and able to take the risk, but do your due diligence and take your time. It took us six months, but six months literally looking at real estate all day, every day. And when we were sitting at title to sign the documents, I've never signed something like that in my life. Granted, you know, English is my third language. It's Patrick's second language. We were sitting there like, oh my yeah. God, we're really like blowing 90,000 out of it. Like, what are we, even, what are we even <laughs> signing here? And you know how there's a stack of documents. First, you don't read everything. And second, you don't understand everything, especially when you're not. Yeah. But, so you have to have that certain like entrepreneurial spirit of being willing to take a risk. But I would say a very like German approach is to try to take the most calculated risk possible so i guess that as good as i can put it in a nutshell <laughs> yes no i really appreciate that advice and and with that obviously we know you mentioned the eight properties you're doing luxury properties and we're going to get into that i'm always fascinated by how this starts so clearly the first one had to do good enough to allow you to continue because game over did not happen take me through then that first that first flip uh what was the results of that too we used to live in that community actually it's um on, on 68th and camelback for for those who don't know scottsdale the easiest way to describe it is um it's an old town scottsdale it's pretty much at the geographical yeah. center of scottsdale right adjacent to the scottsdale um the fashion square um to all shopping dining entertainment so it's a prime location and and those are townhomes that are ranged in size anywhere from i'd say like 500 square feet the one bedrooms up until you know 1300 square feet so they have like four different floor plans it's like about 300 units in that little complex um so we were renting there furnished that i remember patrick and i were paying something like 2500 a month and for a two bedroom it was obviously in prime season it was furnished and then we started you know we already ha always had the idea but when we were here playing golf and, and getting to know everything we're like okay let's look into this real estate thing so long story short we talked to some agents we did everything i um advised just a minute ago here um did our due diligence and yep funny enough the first deal we found ourselves and we found it because we were walking around our community and there was a sign in the window and none of the agents that we had um talked to at the time knew about anything so i just called i mean there was a number there i could pick up the phone and at least talk a little bit so yeah <laughs> so he was gonna sell and then i said well you want to sell i think i want to buy so how do we do this right <laughs> kind of yep. so from right from the very Started, we had like a very good relationship with that seller. And because we're renting there, we met her right away. And then we told her, you know, kind of our story and what we're planning to do. And, she, you know, it, it's just not your everyday kind of situation that you, you run into guys like Patrick and myself, because we're just not from here. There's there's a lot of local people here. And if they're not local, they're from out of state, but they're American, right? 
you can know right. the accent and she was intrigued by the story we had a good relationship and then we bought ended up buying it for eighty six thousand eight hundred dollars and we invested about i would say 15 to twenty thousand on the remodel as well as on furnishing the place um Funny side story, the contractor, I mean, we needed a contractor, so we Googled general contractor. So we talked to a couple, we got pricing, we started comparing, we went to Home Depot, we went to um, Floor and Decor, we looked at all the, you know, we, we, we had to figure out what is material cost, what is install cost, how much do we need, what do we need to consider, what about contingencies? I mean, we just took it in a very, like, business approach. And uh, Patrick and I have both studied uh, international business back home, so we just took a very, like, generic approach uh, combined with uh, you know, the, the German diligence to figure it out. Um, the general contractor, however, though, was a referral from one of our Uber drivers. And this is... Really? This is, this is a true story because we were driving in an Uber and the guy asked me, so where are you from? Where is that accent from? I said, yeah, from, we're from Germany. What are you guys up to? I said, yeah, we're playing golf, this and that. And then I said, you know, we're currently looking to uh, do our first real estate investment. Uh, we're buying a property. We're remodeling. And, and he said, do you already have a general contractor? I said, no, never done it. Talking to a couple. And he said, I have a friend. His name is Robert. Puts Robert on speaker while we were driving. <laughs> I read it. I picked up this German dude here. And they're trying to fix up a house. So, and and I'm, I've am i always been a very open-minded person. So is Patrick. I mean, opportunity is everywhere. That's another thing. You should, if you're open to that, and if you if you open to that, you attract that. We've generated business from the Uber driver over the golf course, over at the grocery store. I mean, all these things that sound like they're miracles, they're really not if you are open to it because that's when you attract it. And that's exactly what happened. So now Robert did actually end up getting the job because we compared three bits um, and he was pricing-wise the most com competitive, but not only that, we felt the most comfortable with it. So Robert did a couple of flips for us, um, even after the fact. Uh, we we ourselves, we furnished the entire place. We went to Ikea. And again, it's the same thing. We went there. We were like, okay, what do we need? Let's just take the first card. Well, three minutes into Ikea, the first card was full. We realized we need a lot. We left <laughs> with five cards. And we, I mean, you just figure it out, you know? And um, we did it. We remodeled it a little bit more European style, very clean, very modern. Um, that's what we do up until today. Um, it's a very LA, Miami style. Obviously, now in the luxury segment, it's you can't compare it to an eighty thousand dollar or ninety thousand dollar townhome. But we always had our own style, and um, and and we've been successful with that. So we were into the deal then. What about um, let's say one hundred five to one ten approximately, and then we rented it out Airbnb VRBO. Um, we were between the U.S. and Germany, traveling back and forth. And then we had someone that helped us manage it. And then 27 months later, we sold it for 141000 in 24 hours with multiple offers. Highest oh. ever in the community. <laughs> and quite frankly, we were extremely surprised. We knew we probably went a little overboard on the remodel, but we wanted to make it nice. And... Um, you know, it, we we felt like it's a good time to sell. We sold it for one forty one. But what's crazy is the lady that bought it from us said, "Well, do you want to continue managing it?" We're like, "Okay," because we had the VRBO accounts, and you know those reviews and all these things they, they make a big uh, difference. Yep. And she ended up selling thirteen months later for one sixty seven in a day. And Jesus. Patrick and I are currently actually going back to the roots. We we use, we flipped about six seven in there. Now we purchased one last year in November. This time we're keeping it for tax purposes and, and for some other reasons. 
And we're doing the remodel right now. It's fully gutted. It's a it's unit 363. The first one was 345. So it's literally around the corner. <laughs> this time, we have so much more knowledge about remodeling. We're going <laughs> to yep. keep the pattern. This is going to be the best townhouse in on the block. So whoever wants to come to Scottsdale, be in the best spot, uh, can happily reach out to us. Uh, we're going to keep it as a vacation rental. And when it's not occupied, we're just going to use it for friends, family, and investors when they come to town. But uh that's it's, awesome. It's an interesting kind of experience going back to the roots, you know, and we, we had a, I, I, I think I told you in our last call, we're, we've been doing some filming. We had some video crews here. We're working on, on, on something a little bit bigger that I can't disclose at the moment, but sure. they filmed us there and they asked us all these questions and I got a little bit to, to speak like I do now. And man, you know, I look back and it's, it has been five years since we purchased this one. I mean, we've been living here for three years in between. I told you we were back and forth, had to figure out the visa situation and right. make the decision to literally burn the boats and go to the U.S. It's crazy to see <laughs> what we do right now. And it's just a, it's a very humbling but very, like, grateful um, emotion that gets attached to that. And it's just crazy. I mean, the, the day you get here next time, I just – you just got to see that. You just got to see where we started and what we're doing now. It's just, it's like, it just blows you away because it's very, it's it's just night and day, man. Yeah. And I, I'll have to come over to Scottsdale and check it out because oh. I've definitely, I've been there a number of times and uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to hit you up and let you know. I'm really curious with that, with that property then. So you, you end up selling it for the 141, you for you know, 27 months of renting it out. So you're getting that rental income from that. Then you sell it. Where do you guys, after that happens, it's obviously very emotional. You you had this win where you could have easily failed. Like many people do, you could have failed, could have not sold it. So many things could have gone wrong, but they didn't. They went right. They went really well. How did you guys look at what was the next step then from there? Obviously you're building a huge empire now. Like how did you at that time look at, okay, now what do we do? Well, we actually realized in the process of remodeling and renting it out, we got some, you know, our friends were obviously asking us from, back home in Germany, um, they said, you know, what are you guys up to? How's that working? Oh, you guys are making that. But so we realized that there was a genuine interest, not uh, not only out of a friendship, but also out of a business perspective to understand what we were up to. And we we had a feeling that we were on the right track, that we did a good deal. And we realized that this might be an opportunity that we should expand and investigate into growing something bigger right which is our own investment company and 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 everything that we came together um after that and i realized there too we worked with a couple of agents and like i told you i found the first deal myself and i realized that those agents at the time they had put us you know on an on list where you get like automatic updates first i was like impressed but then i realized it's just all auto generated <laughs> yep and we know once we got set up on the list i really feel like they didn't check in on us. And granted, you know, 3% on an $88,000 purchase is, you know, is, is not the biggest uh, commission. But I guess if I would talk to those agents today and if they would have done maybe a better job, uh, they would have made a little <laughs> bit more. That experience led us to say, hey, you know what, if we were to really build this, we need to look at all the aspects involved in real estate and how we can capitalize and use this the best way. So we said we need to have our own license. We had such a bad experience with agents in the beginning, which was frustrating at the time. But we also understood that the frustration was an opportunity to 
grow and to capitalize on, right? So instead of being frustrated about the frustrating experience, we <laughs> said, hey, that's an opportunity. So by then we said, okay, we, I, I had to figure out my investor visa. So we looked into several businesses from pizza store to donut shop. I mean, we looked into everything, wow. dry cleaners, you name it. Because to get an investor visa, you can found a business from scratch and or buy into an existing one. So we had set up our investment entity at, then, at that point, but we figured if we buy into an existing business that is eventually real estate related, that could not only help us with my visa, but could also accelerate our business and make it more sustainable. So we bought into the brokerage that we own today. Uh, we own 50% of it. Like I said, we have two American partners and then got our license. Now we have a team of 12 and having the brokerage and being able to facilitate this, the buy side as well as the sell side, uh, capitalizing on the commissions, being able to control more, source more deals and be in the agent network is just something that was probably one of the best decisions that we made. Yeah, it seems like such a perfect fit. And I'm assuming that not everyone would do that, though, from where you started on kind of flipping that first one to then going this route. Like, why was it so clear? Was it because of the visa situation that it was like, oh, we have to do this? Or like, what was it that made you do this? I think that what made um, what made us do that is the the frustrating experience in the first place, the opportunity that we saw with that, as well as the visa was kind of the last thing because we had been looking into different business ventures before, but then the combination of having the frustrating experience and understanding that we can grow this real estate business, when that all kind of came together. And funny enough, just another one of those stories that that are just crazy. When we bought the brokerage, the brokerage was not for sale. <laughs> it was a business broker that we dealt with at the time who said, hey, listen, guys, I, I know two guys I sold a brokerage to three years ago. I don't know if they're willing to sell or do whatever, but just talk to them. And that's when we talked to Steve and Joe and, you know, we bought into the brokerage January 2017, has been three years now. We were... I, I cannot tell you how fortunate we are in having made that decision, but more importantly is having business partners at our side that are not only one is an attorney, the other one is a very experienced private equity guy. They've done half a billion dollars in real estate. <laughs> Anything that you can imagine from 700 acre, 2,500 home communities to mixed use skyscraper. I mean, they've done everything. So we were able to not only have business partners that, I mean, what we learned in three years by putting in 80 to 100 hours every week, Patrick and myself each, and being surrounded by people that are very experienced, we probably learned what somebody would learn in maybe 10 years. And, and, and that's really not an exaggeration. Um, so uh, that's why it was the best move we could ever make. Yeah. And that's why, you know, just go grind. There you go. Uh, actually, the work paid off for you and it's gotten to this point. Bridging the gap then from that first property, then you the brokerage in 2017, talk to me about like the first kind of luxury flip where it's more than just you said, like putting lipstick on a pig. Take me to like one of those first ones where you're really, you're adding square footage, you're doing a lot more on the overhaul. Take me through like one of those first deals. Oh, one of those first deals. So like I said, the first acquisition was uh, 86800 And then I have to actually think what was the second deal. I think it was a little bit more. Um, we bought something for two hundred, put in put in fifty, sold it for three fifty. Which, you know, uh, those numbers sounds like sound like we make a hundred thousand. Not the case, and it's also not the case that many of 
you know, shows that you see, it, that's just not how it works, right? There's commission that's holding expenses, there's property taxes, utilities, holdings, there's so many things that go into that. Um, the, the gross is not the net, that's not the point, I guess everybody understands that, but it always looks like it's such a, you know, um, profitable business. I mean, to make money on those small deals is just very tough, because if you have a profit margin of like 30,000 and something happens with the AC, something that you have not accounted for even outside of your contingency happens, which stuff happens, right? It's construction. That's another thing. You just never know. You can plan as good as you can with contingencies, but there's so many things that can go wrong, which is obviously um, the challenge. And at the same time, the reward when you make it out uh, at the end of the tunnel, right? Because you get rewarded. (laughs) good profit if you uh, do everything right but um that is something that you know cuts into your profit 20 30 40 percent and sometimes sometimes you you're happy if you break even you know and then you start by using hard money cost of capital is convenient but it's expensive right then if it takes a little bit longer to sell it that eats up all your profit right not always all your profit but a big chunk of profit because if you if you have payments of anywhere from Fifty to a hundred dollars a day, and you have a ten, twenty thousand dollar profit margin. I mean, you make the math. You know that can go. If you don't sell, something happens. The buyer backs out, and, and that's one of the reasons why you know the work is kind of the same or very comparable to the small ones. We just started like merging into bigger deals, and 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 I remember Patrick. I said we want to do luxury real estate. Everybody said it's impossible. You know. There's all these established players in town and you just can't say you do luxury. Funny enough, our company, America One Realty Services, and then we said, let's we need a DBA. That name is lame. And <laughs> we named it to America One Luxury Real Estate. And when we renamed it, we had zero sales on luxury real estate. Everybody's like, you can't just do that. And I'm sitting here with my T-shirt and it says America One Luxury Real Estate. I printed it even on my T-shirt. So who says I can't do it, right? <laughs> So yeah, I guess exactly. you start from believing it yourself. And there were, man, there were so many people that doubted that we would be able to break into the luxury market, whether it's on the project side or on the agent side. I mean, I have my license for a little over a year now. Uh, Patrick has it for a little over two years now. And I mean, we've, I mean, year to date, I think we've done almost 20 million out of 88,000 agents were in the top. 200 we're going to be in the top two top 100 in the next four weeks and the reason i mentioned that is not to brag about um, our success but just to show that anything is possible obviously the biggest asset and resource i have is my best friend and business partner patrick without him and vice versa it would be impossible granted we have extremely complementary skill set if you would look at everything that it takes to be successful in this business if we put all skills together, Patrick and I have everything. That's why we are <laughs> where we are. So um, that's another thing. If you have a business partner and someone that you can trust, like it's your family with everything, that's the most blessed thing that you can have. And then you can achieve anything. I've always knew it. I've always believed it. And we have been proving it ever since that we started. And we're actually just getting started. And there's much more to come. So if you have someone that you can work with together and that ideally one is the numbers guy, the other one is a little bit better with with the actual project, um, hands-on, that's just amazing. A partnership is just something that helps you when you're doubting. I mean, there's it's not always 
you know, there's many times where you're like, are we going to make it? Am I going to get my visa? Do we have to go back to Germany? Are we making money? How are we going to pay rent? Right. How are we paying the hard money guy? Like along the way, we had to figure it out over and over again so many times where we literally, we were, we were with our back against the wall, but that's the position that either makes you or breaks you. So um, putting yourself in, a, in an uncomfortable spot is good to grow and to keep you grounded and remind you consistently that there's, there's much more to go for and, and you got to be fortunate for what you have right now. Yeah. And being able to grow into what you said you're doing now with, I mean, literally working at eight deals now, being you know, in the top 200, close to top 100. Uh, with that, I would just love to go through even like, whether it be, it doesn't have to be a specific one, but Take me to one of the projects. If you have one of the projects now you're working on with these luxury uh, luxury homes, or or one in the past, but like, what does that process kind of look like for people interested in hearing like, oh, like they're doing a development, like adding a square footage, whatever of a property. People are going to be curious about that. I'm super curious about like, what does that even look like? That process of doing that. How do you want me to break it? I'd be curious how you're finding opportunities first and then going through like what are some of the things you're doing to add value to them. Okay, so there's different ways to source opportunities. There's um, the MLS, which is the multi-listing service that is a um, platform accessible for all real estate agents. That's one of the things that we pay dues and subscriptions for. Um, that's all the data. Um, something that is very different from here to Germany is everything is transparent. I can see who bought the property when, how much they owe, how much they paid for it, the whole nine yards, right? Right. MLS yep. is a good resource, which either you have to be a real estate agent or you have to work with a real estate agent to um, to get access to that. So that's one thing. Then um, there's obviously the hands-on kind of approach to you could dial in a neighborhood you can put out handwritten notes you can knock on doors you can talk to the neighbor you can talk to the uber driver that is something that i consistently <laughs> uh, recommend because uh, it has been generated it, it really doesn't cost anything if you open it at a coffee shop you know people everybody knows real estate and you just never know where where opportunities come from so have an right. open mind for that uh, there's wholesalers and wholesalers their business is pretty much uh, providing real estate deals uh, to investors. So they um, they are able to put properties on the contract, source those deals. What they do, they do, they have door knock teams, they write letters, they send mailers, handwritten notes, cold call. I mean, they do all of that heavy, heavy uh, lifting. And then they right. send you a deal and they typically make an assignment fee, right? In order for them to make money. Um, they make depending on the price range anywhere from I would say a good ballpark is five to ten thousand um, dollars on on an assignment. Obviously, depending a little bit on the value of the deal, right? Um, if it's a million dollar deal, um, you know we're talking a different assignment fee than when we're talking about a two hundred thousand dollar deal. But they pretty much say, hey, here's the deal. This is the after repair value. This is what we anticipate um, the the construction cost to be, and um, these are the supporting comps. Comps are you know, comparative properties in the area that are sold, uh, sold, active, pending, um, all the data about the micro market that helps you um, make an educated decision whether it's a good deal or not, right? Um, at the end of the day, you can buy from them. If you buy from them, there's typically no inspection period. You can 
send an inspector in there and do all these things. It's different when they're off the MLS, right? There's regular inspection period, typically 10 days, um, something that can be negotiated, but you can take your time to do your due diligence on the actual condition of the property, right? Which if you do remodel, it's kind of important, you know? And wholesale <laughs> yeah. before, we've bought property side on scene, but it's definitely a gamble. Um, and you always have to put earnest money down, which is non-refundable, I would say ballpark 5000 So you put down $5,000, and if you walk away from the deal, the wholesaler made 5000 and you lost 5000 right? And then the owner who actually thought he was going to sell his home doesn't get anything because, you know, the seller didn't really, uh, the buyer didn't perform. That happens, right? So they're in the business of just selling you the contract, and you you take pretty much the risk of the earnest money because you can't look at the property. Um, so we got MLS. We got wholesalers. We got the traditional way, um, which is what wholesalers do. Everybody can can do the same. Talk to neighbors. We do that. We've done that. It helps. There's online. Obviously, there's a bunch of platforms. One of the most known, renowned, is obviously um, Zillow.com, um, where you can do your own uh, research. There's for sale by owners. There's about twelve percent of all real estate transactions are for sale by owners, um, typically. And that means that they don't have an agent um, and you can find those online. There's ads on Craigslist. I mean, there's a bunch of resources. There's Facebook groups, um, social media. There's various resources on and offline where you can source properties. But all of that only helps you when you're able to understand the numbers. If you yeah. make the money on the buy, you got to understand if that's a good buy. You have to be able to evaluate whether the purchase price is a good purchase price. You have to be able to evaluate whether, for example, a wholesaler, when they say the property needs about 16000 work, whether that's really the case, which you can't really do it if you don't have an inspection period and you don't know what, what's going to happen because the remodels is always a little bit of a, you know, little surprise. Can go both ways, <laughs> right? So oh, yeah. you just got to be very conscious and diligent and careful in assessing that, right? And one of the most important things is, I mean, you're only going to make money when you sell it, right? So are you going to sell it yourself? <laughs> Are you are you maybe going to keep it as a buy and hold as part of your portfolio, cash flowing uh, income property? What happens if I can't sell it? Can I rent it out? If so, what can I rent it out for? Like, I I could go on and on and on about all these things that are that are important, but um, you got to be able to understand the numbers before you do anything, and that takes a looking at a lot of deals. Run the numbers, yeah. look at the comps, talk to an agent, um, talk to investors and say, hey, you know what? Somebody sent me this deal. What do you think about it? Oh, you don't like it? Why do you don't like it? Why do you think the numbers don't pan out? Oh, you done deals in that area? What can you tell me about resale? What are typically the days on market? How long does it take for me to sell a property in that price point? Like all these things, um, it, it's just not something that I would recommend anyone to jump in right away. While at the same time, yeah. you have to have a certain kind of fearless attitude, which we always had of, you know, let's just do it. But <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a very fine line between yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you, yeah, it's very fine. The process of due diligence, which I love that you're harping on this because I think it's important, especially uh, in real estate. Sure. And really in, as entrepreneurs in any business, just thinking about what the market can be like and everything with, with that. As you do that process, even for these luxury properties where you're 
definitely a lot more money invested in these. Then what are you looking for in terms of that, the the remodel side of things? I think I've seen some of your properties where you maybe had like a basketball court and did their whole backyard and add all this square footage. I mean, what are some of those things? Just curious from your perspective, because you've done this for a bit now, what are some of those things you're looking to, to do to the properties to add value to them? So the biggest value add and talking about um, remodels here for a moment only, um, let's leave the rebuilds sure. out is square footage because at the end of the day there's going to be a sales price um, and the sales price goes typically off a price per square foot right uh, which you want to look at the area and see okay what what are what are properties selling for and what is their level of upgrade what is their size and um, what is the location what are the features do they have a basketball court garage pool how many bedrooms bathrooms what kind of finishes? All these things come into play. Um, so when we look at remodels, we look. We like to have big lots. In Paradise Valley, typically the lots are not under an acre. There's some that are like slightly under, but it's typically an acre plus. Um, and when we have properties that are, let's say, anywhere between twenty eight hundred to four thousand square feet existing structure, um, then we look at okay, how can we leave a couple of walls up, which is pretty much all we do. How can we recycle the existing footprint and add as much square footage as possible where it still obviously makes sense for a good floor plan and a good product, right? Because the yeah. cost to add square footage, the delta between the cost of adding square footage and the resale side per square foot, there's a fairly significant delta right your yeah. profit <laughs> and um and hence the math is simple right i mean the more the more i add the more i make technically there's you know some stipulations to that right you also want to be mindful about the demand on the back end of the actual product with that being said is finishes floor plan size what is selling in the area you can't just put a 10,000 square foot home somewhere where there's nothing under 5,000 <laughs> the, the biggest yep. value add component that you can do is adding livable square footage, obviously having an open floor plan. That's what everybody's looking for. Having high ceilings. A lot of those old homes from the seventies, the sixties, they have low ceilings. So we take off the roof completely, raise the ceilings. We have different ceiling heights in our properties, depending on where we're located from the, from the master to the main, to the entrance. It, it sometimes varies from like 10, 10 to 16, uh, feet ceiling height um sometimes we're looking at a project right now where we're planning to do double height ceilings 24 foot in the main so oh, those wow. are all these things that we that we take into consideration but adding square footage involves structural engineer architect uh the permitting process is obviously you're not filing for an interior remodel model permit you're filing for a permit where you add significant square footage although you're really not changing the footprint because most of the time at least the last two projects, we add square footage and we kind of go up, right, on the second story. Um, but no matter how you add, whether it's on the second story where you, you expand the, the first level um, or any kind of other part of the house, the complexity, the process, the capital requirement, as well as the time such a project takes from start to finish can't compare it with a – I mean, the shortest flip we've done was 30 days. From buying to selling it. Granted, we didn't remodel it. We started demoing it, and then 
the neighbor called me off the decal of the back of my car and we sold it to the neighbor demoed. What? And the deal was done. <laughs> the investor made 27% return on his money in one month because we, we didn't do anything Jeez. to the house, right? Really. We got it super cheap. We yeah. paid 5K for demo and that was it. So not to get sidetracked, but the value add component is, is, is huge. Reconfiguring the floor plan, um, raising up this, the ceiling. That's what you got to do if you want to get top dollar in today's market. With that too, then you mentioned some of these components. What is the typical, I say typical air quotes, a typical flip for you in terms of how long that ends up taking then? Um, I'd say anywhere from 12 to 16 months now. And with that, so 12 to 16 months for a flip, like, is there, you mentioned kind of metrics to understand the numbers. Is there a certain percentage you're going for uh, on the resale or like, how does that work in terms of figuring out, okay, we're going to do all this, this re remodel or depending on the rebuild, what numbers are you looking for? Kind of targeting even for, for the resale? We're typically targeting the, I mean, the main focus for us is, is the investor, right? Cause we're working right. with mostly the money from our investors. Um, depending on the deal and the timing of everything, Patrick and I uh, make personal contributions um, as well because, you know, it's obviously good to have your own money working too in something that you control, right? Yeah. And that you know, yeah. um, uh, you have been, you've been uh, successful with it. So in order to answer that question, it starts at the acquisition as well as the financing component of it because, are you using hard money or not? How much are you leveraging? Are you taking a construction loan? Are you taking an acquisition loan, right? So the approach that we have is we have a very conservative approach to all the projects that we do. We do not work with hard money and we typically leverage about 50% um, of the total cost of the project, right? Which yep. for, if you look at the average, um, if you look at flippers in the market and, and developers and investors that we represent as agents on the sales side, um, they like to leverage a lot. Um, it's also something that is just a little bit of a cultural difference um, here in the U.S. If you can leverage a lot, that's why hard money. I mean, there's so many hard money guys out here and they make a killing, right? Uh, <laughs> lending the money for someone to do, to build a house and they have the collateral, which is the real estate. Um, so, the financing pretty much determines um, how much money you need and the actual scope of work will determine for how much you can sell. So we're targeting about a 20% cash on cash return for our investors. Um, that's typically our goal. But we have a, uh, we developed a software slash spreadsheet slash deal manager where we input all this information starting from utilities, acquisition, financing, sales expenses. I mean, everything that goes into the project start to finish. And then we populate a number that shows us at the end with obviously all the contingencies as well as, um, uh, as, well as any other things that we need to consider there, um, shows, us, shows us the end number, which will show us how much do we need to sell the project for in order to make X amount of profit, we have a sensitivity analysis that says, okay, what is the base or worst case? What is medium? What is best? Uh, we calculate with a base case. And if the numbers work with a base case, uh, then we know it's a deal. Because we like to um, under-promise, over-deliver. We've always done that. Um, yeah. And uh, also something I recommend, especially when you work with investors with other people's money. Um, I understand having ambition and goals. We do have that too. Everybody knows that it works with us. But when it comes down 
to the investments, you have to make sure that the numbers work even at the base slash worst case, so to speak. And if everything turns, you understand that you can potentially refinance, rent it out, sit on it and, and make sure that you work with people who understand that model and don't say, hey, listen, I need my, I need my money back. Um, so um, I guess that is that is an important setup to consider. Yeah. And one thing before we have to get going here, I want to make sure to get to on the selling side, because there's a whole lot to that too. Uh, take me through either like your, your strategies for selling or things that are helpful for you as you're trying to sell these, especially luxury properties. Like what are some of those things you're doing? Yeah. So I guess one of the reasons why I would say over 50% of our properties um, pre-sale by now is we start marketing from day one. And when I say day one, I mean the day we close, people know we're working on a project. We, we really ah, yep. how big and what the dynamics are because, you know, I, I told you this is more complex. Uh, our projects are more complex. So city uh, approval, sometimes HOA, depending on where we do it, you just can't say, hey, this is what we're going to build until we have permits and plants, right? But we can say, you know, this is what we're intending to do. This is the location. People understand the quality and the second that we can start with renderings, uh, we get those renderings out. Uh, social media is a big outlet for us. We're part of the, the top agent network here in town, which is which are the top agents in like a closed network, as well as obviously we're connected to a lot of people. And just getting the word out there and understanding, and I think that this is one of the things that we've been working on the most the past like year, is when people think about potential projects in Paradise Valley, if they have a lot if they have a project needs to be remodeled they call us and ask us if we want to buy it and on the back end when a buyer when an agent has someone that's looking for modern contemporary anywhere between four to seven million they call us they say hey guys what do you have coming what do you have off market what is going to hit the market when um and those relationships and, and building that kind of understanding in the marketplace um is something that helped us a lot and is helping us more and more i mean we're we pre-sold the last two or three projects. It's absolutely crazy. Jeez, that's awesome. And yeah, it's, it's so crazy to hear that because like you mentioned, <laughs> 47 million, like these aren't cheap little little projects when you're pre-selling these. These are massive deals too. Yes. And and, and one thing I heard from, uh, I think Nick, Nikki, you introduced us talking about how you're looking to expand eventually into like Florida, potentially other places. How are you looking at expansion for the business now? Yes, we're looking into Florida. Patrick's in-law uh, family, they're involved in all aspects of real estate that you can uh, imagine from the contracting side to designing, uh, staging, um, and all of those those items. So we have a very good setup in florida we've been back and forth obviously for family visits um and uh, yeah we're it's just a matter of time until we put everything in place to be able to do projects over there uh, at the same time that we're doing projects over here and again in a good german diligent manner we take our <laughs> we study everything and uh, yep. when we're ready we pull the trigger and then we double down i love it and max like Looking back at these last few years and running this and as a real estate entrepreneur, what have been the most helpful uh, books, podcasts, resources for you? Like always, I recommend surrounding yourself with the best or looking up to the to the best in the business. Um, I can recommend Grant Cardone, 10X. Um, I mean, anything that he does, I follow him. I listen to his podcast. And um, he's obviously focused a little bit more on the uh, multifamily, the apartment side. But that's all part of real estate. It's important to understand that too, especially in order to build wealth, 
protect your your assets and your cash. So that is someone that I can highly recommend. Ryan Serhand. Um, Ryan Serhand has an amazing course um, and many great books. Someone that I would recommend to follow, whether it's on social media or, or on YouTube. Um, something that is really not a bad thing to do. And I've always watched everything Patrick too. It's million dollar listing. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Look at guys like Josh Altman, the Altman brothers. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing what those guys do. Um, the Eklund uh, Gomez team. I mean, there's so many things, so much media that you can absorb to, um, you know, and get get bits and pieces here. Even in those shows that obviously it's it's reality TV, but there's there's a lot of little like golden nuggets that you can pick up here and then, um, and obviously get motivated. I mean, looking at the the stuff that they do in in California. Uh, I mean, selling selling homes for 40, 70 million. I mean, it's just absolutely, absolutely <laughs> amazing, you know. And, and you would think here, you know, with our $4 million projects, that's already great, which it is. But it just shows you that there's bigger markets, there's more opportunity. And I think to be able to look up to those yeah, colleagues in the industry who are have been extremely successful, consistently successful, everybody in their own way is something that... Um, we always have been doing those are my top guys that I can that I can recommend. Yeah. And and one of the last questions I have here is just looking back, you know, at these last few years and running this and starting with that first that first flip you did to now, what are one or two of maybe the biggest lessons or takeaways you have uh, from this journey so far, this entrepreneurial journey so far in real estate? I think two things that I learned is anything Really, anything is possible, especially in this country. There is no other country in the world that offers so much opportunity. I'm so grateful to be able to be here and do what I do and, you know, pay my taxes and make money and 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 just having like endless opportunity. So that's one thing. The country is the way to go. And the other thing is uh, having my best friend and business partner by my side with unconditional support 24 7 365 and knowing that there's nothing that they can that that can stop us having that partnership and knowing there's someone that always works as hard as you do eats sleeps breathe business and mutual success just like you do is something that took us through every hurdle that we had to jump over and i can tell you there were plenty <laughs> That's amazing. Max, this has been so great. Where can people go to learn more about you and all the products you're working on? So Patrick and I have a website, maxandpatrick.com. We keep it simple. Um, (laughs) Then on Instagram, it's max underscore America. And then the number one spelled out, America one. Uh, Patrick's is Patrick underscore uh, America one. We have a YouTube channel that we started recently. Uh, Keep it simple too. It's Max and Patrick. There's a couple of videos that we dropped about you know getting licensed, not licensed, what to look out for budgeting. So many of the things that you and I just talked about, um, we have there. You're able to see some cool properties and, and get to know a little bit more about us. Um, and as I said before, we're working on some some bigger things here in in the background. And I hope uh, yeah the next time around I can uh, I can give you some more um, yeah media resources for the people to to check us out. And if anyone has questions. You know, DM me, email me, reach out to us. Uh, 
yeah, we're, we're more than happy to to provide any any kind of help that we can. Uh, we've gotten a lot of help in this country when we came here, and we didn't know anyone, so we're we're ready, willing, and able to to give back what we know by now. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate that. And I'll be sure to link everything up in the show notes, justgogrind.com slash podcast. Max, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.